everyone. Welcome back to Black People Love Broadway. Welcome to today's show. Um, it's been a while. We, we took a couple of weeks off because of life. Life just happened. And it happens all the time. So um, we're back today. And on today's segment, we are going to be talking about musicals and shows that changed our lives. And I know that there's there's always about one or maybe you know, one or two that really uh, got us into wanting to do musical theater. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we'll probably segue into some other things, but uh, that will be our primary focus. So yeah, let's go ahead and get this show started. Let's do it. So how about you go first? Um, I So I'll do it by like phases in my life. So I would say like as a kid, the show that changed my life. It was more so, I would say the experience rather than the show, because I don't particularly care for this movie and musical. But I was in The Wizard of Oz when I was in first grade. And that was when I really fell in love with like being on stage and with musicals, just like the experience of rehearsing. And um, I was, a, I think, in first grade or in kindergarten. And um, it was at the local high school. So like getting to hang out with the high schoolers and it like, made me fall in love with musical theater and show choir because all the kids were in show choir. And then I would say like, as I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to do with my life. So this is like at the end of high school, the show that really like motivated me to move to New York was actually in the Heights. And it's so funny because that is not about black people. Like black people can be in the ensemble but it's really about um, the Latin community. Um, and I just thought it was such a beautiful show and it was music that I could relate to music that I like actually would want to listen to that weren't like typical show tunes. It was hip hop movement. Um, and that really made a difference for me and really like sent me over the edge, like pushed me over the edge to get to New York. And then I'd say as a performer now, uh, probably... I mean, there's so many shows, but I would say probably like Hamilton was the next time that I felt excited about something and like felt like, oh, I could be like my authentic self in a piece of theater. So like, you know, we all train and acquire all these skills to be able to like, I want to sing this way. I want to sing this way. But like, I didn't feel like I had to put on something. I just felt like that is the way I sing. Like, this is the kind of music I love. These are the kind of characters that I connect to. And so I'd say like, those would be my three. So I guess my experience in The Wizard of Oz, In the Heights as a whole, and Hamilton as a whole. Okay, yeah. Musical that changed my life. I mean, I had multiple, but if I had to choose the one that really changed the trajectory of my, my life, as cliche as it sounds, and you probably know what I'm going to say, it's probably The Wiz, only because uh, I, in high school, I was, I played clarinet, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to an HBCU, I'm going to go to Jackson State, and I'm going to play my clarinet, and I'm going to major early childhood education. Uh, that was from, pretty much from freshman year all the way up into the first part of my senior year. Um, and then 
I had one of my one of my mentors, my favorite teacher, Miss um, Carl. She came in my soft, my junior year, and uh, she did Cinderella and a Christmas Carol. But my senior year, we did The Wiz, and uh, I think at that point, when the, learning the music, learning the dances, it really put something inside of me. And I, I'll never forget one time the kids were just playing way too much. The other kids were playing way too much on the stage. And I just hollered at them. I told them, uh, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. If you don't get it together and take this seriously, I'm going to have her cancel this show. And so, you know, she can't, She didn't cancel it. And we went through. I played the Tin Man. Uh, and it was a really good experience. And I think from that moment on, I knew I wanted to do theater, performing arts for the rest of my life. Um, and then I got into college and I fell in love with musicals like Memphis and um, fell in love with Motown and uh, the black musicals. Like I fell in love with the black musicals. Like, uh, you know, Wicked was cool, um, you know, but black musicals, Dream Girls, those are the type of musicals that I fell in love with because of the music and because of the stories and the people that were telling those stories. So uh, The Wiz and uh, Memphis and um, Motown, Dreamgirls, all those shows that really uh, have Black people in it that talk about the Black experience really changed my life. I've, I had I have phases when I was younger, but never really to be like, I want to do this. Uh, I want to do theater. Uh, I did a Black version of Peter Pan in middle school. I did uh, Black Nativity in high school, the first part of my high school career. Um, yeah, but I never really went to see any shows when I was younger or anything like that. Because, you know, people would be like, well, when I was younger, my parents took me to go see The Wiz or what took me to go see the national tour of so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have that. I didn't have that experience. I just was like, it just it really when people say it found them, I really get that because I feel like that theater found me. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know, cause my sister is a dancer and my oldest sister is a singer, but you know my my the middle child, my my second oldest sister, she does hip hop, and my oldest sister sings a lot of gospel. And so it's just me at the bottom of the rock doing, you know, show tunes and and things like that. But I, I don't know. Also, really high school musical, as cheesy as it sounds, as cheesy as it is, as cheesy as that movie is, uh, that really uh, shifted something for me um, in terms of not sticking to the status quo and uh, really coming out of your shell. And I'm a huge fan of High School Musical. I mean, a lot of people be like, that. that that's a kiddie movie and it's, it's really, you know, lame. And I'm like, uh, okay, but I like it. But that's, that movie really did change a lot of things for me, so. And I think that brings on like a bigger thing because i feel like there's nothing wrong with love and high school musical high school musical was great like we all loved high school musical and i feel like there's so much like shame that comes with saying you like certain things but like high school musical the choreography was amazing the songs were all bops 
Like it was a great story overall and it just got better. Like House Musical 3 is one of my favorite musicals. I recently watched it again with my sister, my both my sisters. And we were like, this is such, like this franchise was amazing. Just like, I love the Cheetah Girls. Like <laughs> I love the Cheetah Girls. I love Camp Rock 1 and 2. Like these were good movies. So I don't know why people always hate on them. Like they were great production quality, honestly. And it makes it accessible, which also ties into what you were saying. Like some people have the luxury of being able to see all these shows and grow up with stuff. For some people, that's the only exposure they get is, you know, turning on Disney Channel and seeing something like High School Musical or a movie musical. Sometimes that's all that they get. You know, that's how the bug starts. So I think like you saying that, I was waiting for you to say that. I was like, because I know you are a big High School Musical head. So I was like, is he going to bring up High School Musical? As you should, because it's a great franchise. Yeah. Can we talk about, first of all, give flowers to the people that are alive. Kenny Ortega. That dude. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Anything he touches is gold. Like, I really, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, everything that Kenny Ortega has done has been tremendous. Like, hocus pocus. He did Michael the Michael Jackson the last tour before he passed away. He did Miley Cyrus's uh, concerts when she was Hannah Montana. Uh, he did all three High School Musicals. He did the second Cheetah Girls movie. He did Newsies. I'm about to pull up his resume because I just feel like that he did so much for the the musical movie musical world. Like this dude is oh Descendants. He he did like even though I I'm a little too old for Descendants like I watched a couple of a couple it's of it's good uh, my yeah. kids <laughs> love the Descendants we warm up to that music <laughs> yeah <laughs> my kids love that music too though for real to be to be to be completely honest he was also the choreographer for Tu Wong Fu I didn't know that I didn't know that either wow yeah. he was the choreographer for Tu Wong Fu and you know also for like Dirty Dancing and uh that's that's this is all crazy like i cannot believe that i'm just surprised that he hasn't uh touched any broadway shows like i would be oh my gosh like i would be so on board if he if he did a broadway musical like how fired that musical would be i would love if he came to broadway like that would be can you imagine like i need to be in that show <laughs> yeah i just need to meet him like for real like i'll i know was one time when i lived in new york i was auditioning for i had an appointment for some show and i don't know what I, it was probably i think it might have been lynn nottage's uh opera I forgot what the name of it was, but um, I got an appointment for that. And that was the day I was like, not feeling it. I remember that day and uh, I was not feeling it. And then I was hearing Descendants and I was like, what is going on around here? And it was, Kenny Ortega was in that room. Like, I was like, I almost wanted to just bust in and be like, uh, <laughs> whatever y'all do what I want in. Like, yes. Uh, I don't know what he was doing. It was in Pearl Studios. I don't know what he was doing, but I was like, oh, that made my day. And then I went to work, went to work. <laughs> but yeah, Kenny Ortega is a beast. Really and truly, like, just like you said, give him his flowers while he's here. Like that, I just think that's so 
important. And I feel like we talked about in the first episode and we will always talk about it is that like accessibility y'all is so important. And so his work has made theater and, you know, Broadway and musicals accessible to everyone. Like that is important and it's good work too. Like there's never been a project he's done that I've been like, eh, this is no, like it's all amazing. So like, shout out to him, like for real, for real. And I'm excited because apparently there are all these movie musicals and TV shows that are in development that are coming. So I wonder if he's going to be working with any of those. Or I'm also excited for like the new wave of um, artists and choreographers and directors to come as well. But I would love like if I found out that he was associated with any of these things coming up. Yeah, definitely. I, I really want to see that. And speaking of movie musicals, uh, let's let's turn the dial there. What movie musical do you really enjoy? Oh my gosh. Okay, so this is like so basic, but whatever. Cinderella was already my yeah. favorite movie musical before they even like put it on Disney Plus. Like if you go on my TikTok, I've done like seven covers of the songs. Like I love Cinderella. I really do. <laughs> the Brandy yeah. Winnie Houston one to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> so we're clear. <laughs> because look at all that diversity like oh my gosh like and it what was beautiful is that like I know for me I wasn't even thinking of the fact that like everyone was diverse it wasn't just one type of uh you know ethnicity it was all of them and like no one thought about it it was just like this is a great movie this is a beautiful story these are amazing performers and there was no thought about what color they were. Like that was what made it so magical back then. And even now it's like shocking to look back and think that they did something like that. Like it's so monumental. Yeah. And I was just reading something where some of the producers were like, you're not going to get as many fan appeal for this movie because the Cinderella is not, um, not, white and and things like that and then the other producers that really created it were just kind of like that's not what we we always wanted it to be a black woman to play cinderella like it was always in the plan and we don't care about any of that like we don't care about you know the the animated movie that they did years ago back in 19 20s or whatever well, I don't even know what year that original Cinderella was made but they they were like we don't care about that we 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 want to become innovative we want to become creative we want to be the next best thing and they were the next best thing when they came when it came out like in 1997 so yeah so good. 97 I mean like that was a year everything was starting to turn like and you know, they just do it to the wind and it worked well and the cast worked well. And I think that was just the beginning of amazing live musical movies. Like, to be honest. Yes, because they released, I mean, that whole era is when I fell in love with Audra McDonald. And I, this was before I was like a big theater nerd so I didn't even know she was this iconic Broadway person I just knew she was a black woman with a gorgeous voice and she was Grace in Annie the Annie remake 
Like, that's all I remember. I didn't know, you know, I literally had no idea that she had already like won her Tony and done all these things. And then they released um, Geppetto, which I was like rewatching recently. Um, and like Usher was in that one. And like, they just released all these like movie musicals. And obviously Cinderella was like the most diverse, but like, that was a great time for that. Like that, all those things changed my life. And I didn't even realize it, you know, like they really just, I remember the excitement because they will come on on Sunday nights. And I just remember like, my family's always been supportive of this for me. So they were like, we're going to watch it as a family. Like it was a whole event. And I just miss those nights. Like, do you remember like the wonderful world of Disney uh, preview? And it would be like Tinkerbell flying through and like the orchestral music. And it was just like beautiful. Yeah. Like, I just miss those times. Like, I, I don't know. It's just not, I feel like the arts just are not appreciated the way that they were. And I feel like there's so, just like we were saying, like there's like a, a judgment that comes with certain things, but I don't know. I feel like, I mean, this is related, but unrelated, like back in the day, even before that time, like everybody, like your movie stars were also your theater stars. Like they cross genres and like the top, like I have this, I got this, uh, songbook of Grammy award-winning music as part of research for my company. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the songs were from musicals, like the top song, the Grammy award-winning pop song or like popular music song was a Broadway song. So like what happened? Like, I don't know. I just, it, things are just so different now. Yeah. I think that there was a line that was drawn at some point in time where people were just kind of like, okay, we got to separate film from, theater and we got to give SAG after separate from equity and and I think that's what it for me I think that's where the divide started to happen um and people were talk were talking about this uh recently because of the shutdown and because you know we the, the Broadway actors can't get it or don't have a job so you know what would it be like if equity and SAG after after uh, merge together so that these Broadway uh, people can work on film, film and television that's clearly up and running. Like, it's, yeah, it, yeah. Why? Why is there such a discrepancy between SAG and equity? And because I, I remember looking on Instagram not too long ago and they had this huge back and forth, uh, petty picture argument between SAG and uh, uh, equity. And it was really sad because it was just kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, y'all sitting up in y'all's buildings and we have y'all have people underneath y'all that need work. Like, what are you guys going to do to get them working? And by, and by any means necessary. So, I mean, like, just between that and, you know, the the elitism that happens because you're such a, a, a film star uh, or a Broadway star that you can't, that you won't. But I think that film stars are more reluctant to take theater jobs rather than elite Broadway stars taking film jobs. I, I, I think that there is a, um, a big difference there, but I don't know, but there are some big stars that are like, I theater's my home, 
Like Viola Davis, for example. That woman talks about Broadway like nobody's business. She loves, I mean, she does a lot, of, did a lot of August Wilson. And so she she's definitely one of those ones that can be an advocate for taking out those lines of separation to get these people jobs now. So I just think that, that that's important. Listen, I recently posted and so I've been promoting, so you know, Tyrell, I've been promoting our show on my TikTok because I found like a community on TikTok and I started this talk show where I talk about like theater things. Like basically it's just a space for everyone to nerd out about theater things. And there was this trend where you've probably seen it where like the video starts silent and then this like dramatic music pops in. So I did a thing that said, people be like, nobody cares about Broadway. And then I do a list of the people who started on Broadway. And if you haven't seen the video, listeners, I said, though, I gave six examples, but there's so many more. There's Hugh Jackman, Viola Davis, Sarah Jessica Parker, Anna Kendrick, Tay Diggs, Meryl Streep. All those people started on Broadway. And there's not enough discussion about that. And that also is something that just gets me fired up. And then like all my followers started adding people to the list. Like Ariana Grande started on Broadway. Like all these people started on Broadway and there's like no I just it it upsets me that like it's just this thing where there's no I feel like there's not proper respect from a lot of people I'm not gonna say everyone because there are some people who just like you said who look at it as like the holy grail so some people don't come to Broadway because they respect it so much and you know they get so nervous to do it but like I just feel like there should be there's just something to be said about doing something eight times a week. And then if you're doing like a long run, years of do, like you have to do it live every night, whether you're singing or dancing or just speaking, like you have to make it fresh every single night and live in that moment and make it new. And there's, it's hard. Like it is hard to do eight times a week. So put some respect on her name is basically the moral of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Cause it's it's just kind of like, all right, well, I want to see you get out there and do it. Like, I want to see you do eight times a week. I want to see you do, you know, theater long, you know, long term. And so I just kind of and people that don't do theater really don't understand the 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 demand because it's just kind of like. They're like, oh, you do theater. Oh, you just play around all day. Well, no, we, we I mean, we have this, we have to have discipline. We have to be focused on what we have going on in front of us. We have to learn lines. We have to learn songs. And please don't be in a Broadway show where you're developing a character because you doing the rehearsals during the day and you're doing a show at night that might change. You have to learn stuff yeah. in the blink of an eye. I like, I pray that I one day I get to develop a character in a Broadway musical, but like it will it would freak me out if I was in a rehearsal that morning and they said, Oh, we changed the whole song and we had to learn a whole song for that night night show. Oh my gosh, my my nerves would be shot. And like don't even get me started with standbys and understudies and all those people that that don't get to go on all the time unless you are an understudy, but have to wait. 
or or if you're an understudy and you have multiple roles and you're a swing or you're a swing and you have multiple roles and you don't know which one you're going to be in at that part that particular point in time and it can happen during a show it could happen an hour before the show it could have 30 minutes before the half hour before the show like those types of things are things that need to be known and celebrated because yes absolutely theater, yeah theater people are are really superheroes in their own right and i think of i think of this all the time i think that we have a superpower that's just like powerful because we can adapt in every situation like for the fact that people can live in new york do different day jobs and audition and do shows that's a superpower because I know that there are people that just be like, no, I could just do one job. That's it. I uh-uh. like actors go out audition. Then for some, like they they come in the morning, they audition at Pearl, they leave, and then they work, or they work, take thirty minutes or an hour of lunch, go audition, and come back and do more work. Like that is. That was literally my life. Like, yeah. I it, I cringe. Like, hearing you talk about that, I'm physically, like, shaking because that literally was my life. Like, I would go on auditions on my lunch break and I was teaching full-time and trying to audition full-time. That is so true. So it really is, like, a superpower. Like, truly. Yeah. Can we talk about how this, this is the one-year anniversary of the hairspray call? Oh, I'm so glad I chose to love myself and not go. (laughs) I remember I was planning on going and I just, I'm so glad that like that one day I was like, you know, I'm just going to sleep in today. I'm not going to kill myself and go to this thing. (gasps) So like, let's talk about that iconic, not iconic because that is a positive thing. That historic day that was a historical day, historic day like i don't know what the weather was like that day was it cold that day or i think it was it wasn't sunny <laughs> no I, yeah I, you I know like i'm cold. pretty sure it was too cold for all that nonsense yeah okay just to give our, our our listeners some background okay so at auditions auditions may start at what eight o'clock nine o'clock so auditions start technically at 10 o'clock yeah, is when well, like they start yeah. sometimes nine, but like that is going to just emphasize your point. So keep going. Yeah. So, you know, auditions start at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, like she said, but the building doesn't open until like eight thirty, eight o'clock. Like if we're talking about Pearl. And so when it's a, when it's a popular musical and it's a, okay this hairspray was a non-equity tour let's just put that out there it was a non-equity tour and for those people that don't know what a non-equity means that means that you are you know you don't you don't you're not part of the union you're not part of the union uh so a non-equity tour of hairspray oh my god like hairspray has a fan base on its own like every high schooler every college person like they they went to go to this call so when you go to an audition in pearl studios and it doesn't the building doesn't work open till 8 8 30 and audition started at 9 10 o'clock whatever can you imagine the line 
Because already, outside of the Hairspray audition, the line around Pearl to get into the building for just auditions, just general auditions, is around the corner, around around the block. Like, the line for Hairspray that day, I wasn't even there. I went on the daggone, uh, what do they call that? Um, uh, where you look at the, the forum and people give you updates on what's happening. Uh, audition update. Yeah. So I was looking at that and it was like line wrapped around the corner, up the street, around the corner, up on the back street. And it was just crazy. And then once they let people in, it was still lines out the door and down the hallway, on the stairwell. People were on top of one another. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't like being around a lot of people as it is. So if I if I went to go audition for Hairspray, I would have a mental breakdown. Like, I, I wouldn't even, like, oh, my God. Like, it was horrible. Like, that Hairspray call was horrible. Yeah, it literally, like, was madness. Um, I'm just, <laughs> like I said, I'm just going to keep saying, like, I'm just so glad something told me not to go. And I believe... I may have been even off that day or maybe I had like a late start, but I could have gone, but I was just like, I, I knew it would be bad. I didn't know it would be that bad. And I just, I, I feel like that, I feel like it showed the cracks in the system that is currently, you know, that's existing. Because if you gave everyone appointments or gave them general slots, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And then, like, people are like, well, what if, you know, they post and I'm not available? I mean, I'm sorry, but that's life. But, like, the way that I think auditions should go moving forward when we are, like, okay to be back in person or, like, more in person than we are now is, like, you tell us, like, Monday you go on your company page and you say, on Wednesday at 12 o'clock we will be posting slots to audition for such and such show. So like we'll have 15 guaranteed slots and 15 um, standby slots, right? And then it's like first come first serve. And then I saw a casting director years ago saying like they hate doing that because people don't show up, which is valid. But like also it, we don't like showing up and having our time wasted either. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, okay, I get it. We're like, we both, it's not ideal, but like, that would just make things easier. And if people like don't show up and stuff, then give them strikes within your agency because things come up. So if they just no show, then put them on a list and penalize them. Like I understand that part of it, but like everyone's time overall should be respected. The casting directors and the performers time. That's how I feel. Yeah. I think now, I think from now on, they're going to be thinking about stuff like that because I just, I just really feel like, we that can't happen again that can't happen again hairspray can't happen again like and that's not the only show that 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 has that type of reputation let it have been like a rent open call let it have been a hamilton when i do yeah the first year hamilton was out there was an open call and literally the line wraps like four times it was crazy yeah, like let let those things be like out there. Like that can't happen. And I mean, now they're going to have to rethink this thing through because there are a lot of people that are non-equity. 
that are going to want to do these shows and maybe just utilize actors access more because I think that an actors access is a platform you guys that that has a lot of the auditions on there and you can submit you pay two dollars or you can get an unlimited situation and you just send your headshot and resume and if they want you they give you an appointment or they tell you to, to film uh right now it's like eco cast video something like that but um that when I when when I uh, got into it really good, that's how I got a lot of my appointments was through Actors Access. Like I'm telling you, I got I, I got an appointment for Cats on uh, the ship. I got an appointment for the Color Purple, the Non Equity Tour. Um, I got an, an appointment for Waitress. Like like those types of things. Like those 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 nice nice uh, commercial shows. Like. And, and so I think that they get, they're just going to have to uh, really think that through because that can't happen no more. That definitely can't happen. I totally agree. Like there's just better. And then I think too, like everything before the shutdown was so like, go, go, go. So I can kind of understand them being like, I don't have time to, you know, but now like we've had about, it will be a year. March 12th will be a year that Broadway shut down March 16th will be a year since like the stay at home orders started nationwide. And I feel like there's been a year. So hopefully, and I'm not saying that they haven't thought about this. I don't know, but I'm hoping that thought has been taken as to how we can make this, you know, more respectful people's time, safe for everyone, more effective in general. So, you know what I'm saying? So that it's like, truly more accessible to people because don't you want to see like all the talent there is to see like when you make these impossible obstacles you're like just honestly filtering out all these people that could potentially be exactly what you're looking for so yeah. i just hope that there's a more equitable process that's being built yeah i just think that um and also there are there are people, and I feel like that th this pandemic has changed a lot for a lot of people. Um, and I remember reading a post that somebody put, and they said that people are making permanent decisions career-wise. Like the actors that lived in New York that were auditioning all the time made a permanent decision to either move back home or move somewhere else and do something else. And I wonder how many Broadway people did that i wonder how many broadway understudies or ensemble members were just like i don't know when i don't have no money i need to do something and that turned out to be something that's going to turn out to be something permanent honestly I i've been thinking about that a lot because i have some very close friends that are doing that and i see both sides of it um because i think too like I think some people need a break like I I have taken multiple breaks throughout my 11 years in New York mm -hmm. where I like go and do like a contract out of town purposely away from the city or I focus just on my teaching and don't worry about performing and auditioning at all and I think it's been healthy for me but it's like just what you're saying like a permanent solution to a temporary problem I don't know if that's the right decision for everyone. And I just feel like people are not collectively thinking like that. And you know what I mean? Like different structures, different folks. Some people needed this boost to make them realize they're not passionate about it. But I just think it's like crazy <laughs> 
to make like permanent, permanent, irreversible decisions uh, during a time that like we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just carefully watching the winning because for me, I I left New York uh, that uh, that um, I want to say that that October before COVID happened. I I made the decision to come back home, but it was it was done because I had to come back home. Uh, I had to do surgery, sinus surgery, and um, it was time for me to come back home. I just got off a contract for Ragtime at the McCaden Theater that summer, and um, I didn't know what I was going to do, and my nose was just all over the place. And so I think that was nobody but God that was just like, come on back home, get this taken care of. And then the pandemic hit. Like, knowing me and my men- my mental state at that time, of um being in new york i would have lost my mind if i lived in new york at the time the pandemic happened i i don't think i would have survived i think i would i i honestly think that if i didn't leave new york i would have gotten coronavirus like really to be honest um because everything shut down like nobody was teaching nobody was like i was i was just got a job as a substitute teacher in the new york you know area so I was going to do that, but, you know, pandemic happened uh, when I left. And so I wasn't going to be able to teach anything. And I don't know how I would have survived. Um, but thank God that he took the, you know, brought me back home, got a job in my old elementary school. And, um, you know, I'm doing okay. Um, I don't, I don't know what the future is going to be for me, like being on Broadway or national tour, hopefully it will still happen. And uh, my, my fingers are crossed, but you know, my, my attention is now focused on education and uh, developing and cultivating the gift of performance and a lot of these young people. So that's my, that's my focus. Now, I mean, I'm still in the performing arts world and I say, Hey, I can still win a Tony award for theater education. So that that's my goal. That's my major goal, so. Heck yeah, that's how my company got theirs. Isabel Stevenson Award for education. I was like, we got a Tony quicker for teaching than performing. So, I mean, that's legit. (laughs) Yeah, and I just think that it's necessary for me, I should say, uh, to make that shift. I always want to teach theater, but, you know, me living in New York, I really enjoyed my time in New York um will i be back to live only if i do a show that's the only reason that's the only way i will move back to new york i won't just move back to new york to be like oh i feel like going back to new york no i would know i'm good on that um it was good while 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 i was there so it was an amazing experience for me and i think you're like the perfect example of like I want to be clear and say like everyone's situation, it's different. So exactly what you said for your situation at the time, that was the smartest thing for you to do, like to go back because you love teaching as well. And you were able to start your theater company, which you've dreamed of doing your whole life and all these things. And it's only like gone up from there. That was the absolute right decision for you. So like different structure, different folks, people like you do have to do what's best for you, but it was a intentional and thought out decision, well thought out decision that you made to leave before the pandemic even happened. And like, 
you're doing such great things. So that was clearly the right decision. And it's just like you say, y'all, New York is not for everyone. New York ain't even for me. And I've been there 11 years. Okay. Like (laughs) I'm over New York. Like I rarely go back to New York right now because there's nothing. What I love about New York are the arts and the live entertainment and like the, you know, the arts culture there. And that's not really there in the same way. It's there in different ways, but like, I love going to see, like me and Tyra used to go see shows all the time. Like I love going to see a show. I love like going to dinner before the show. I love talking about the show after on the trip. Like all these things are not accessible. I still have my place in New York. I'm still a New York resident. I'm still paying my rent every month, but like, why would I go there? If, like what I love about there is not there for me right now. It just makes me sad. So like for me, the best thing for me to do is to like hang out with my family while I can, because the last 11 years, I haven't been able to do that either. So now like that's important to me and teaching virtually, which I can do and directing and choreographing. I can still do all these other things. Just, I can't perform. I mean, I can perform right now, but I've tried like the virtual performances and stuff like that. And it's just not for me. And that's fine. Like, it's just ain't for me, but I'd rather just wait until it's up and running again than like do these like hybrid versions of it. But that's just for me. That might not be everyone, you know? Just my two cents. Yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it in a nutshell. You know, go after what you want to go after. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Um, but yeah, I feel like that. That's pretty much it. You know. Yeah. That was good. We covered a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We like we jumped all over the place, but listen, y'all need to hear all of these things. We're always gonna keep it real with you. Cause we like, you know, there's Broadway's life, but there's more to life than Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I encourage people, oh, this is the last thing I'll say, which is related and kind of wraps it up, is that Speaking, we covered shame and like people ruining things for people. But one of the things that goes with shame is like, don't let anyone shame you for having a plan B either. Like you should have multiple passions. I cannot emphasize that enough. So like, thankfully me and Tyrell have other passions that we're super passionate about and they're all related to performing arts, but like we found things while we were pursuing performing that we were passionate about equally passionate about if not more passionate about like find other things use this time to explore and find like the things that are tangible that you can you know do like I'm so blessed to be able to work for my own companies do the teaching like I said as well on the side do coaching all these things and like I'm only doing things I love right now so do what you love don't be afraid to have a plan B, C, D, E, F, G. It doesn't mean you're less of a performer. It doesn't mean you're less passionate. Yeah. You got to do what's best for you. And relying only on this, obviously, as we see, it's not even an option right now. It's not healthy. Yeah. And that's just that on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, is that all? That is it. I think we can wrap it up. Period. Bye. I said it wasn't. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>